Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Awesome. Yep. It's me again. This is the last week that you guys have to put up with me for a while. Oh, see, that, that, that lets me know that you guys love me, that you'll tolerate me at least. You know what I mean? That's what's up. So uh, if you guys, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up to Hosea 3. Hosea 3. It's, so if you don't know where it is, just flip to Daniel and then go to the very next book after Daniel. All right. So while you guys are flipping there, uh, two, I have two goals with this sermon today. Uh, my first goal uh, is, I'm going to be honest, it's a little bit of a selfish goal. Uh, my first goal is to preach this sermon without making any weird conversations for you and your children afterwards. Okay? <laughs> this is my first goal. That is, a, that is a challenge to myself as a, you know, as a seminary student, all that good stuff. That's, that's my goal. My second goal is to paint a picture of God's faithfulness from this text, uh, which is the more important goal for the sermon today. All right, so Hosea 3, and we're going to cover the entire chapter on today. It's only five verses, so don't be afraid. All right, Hosea 3. And uh, let, let me do this before I start, okay? I am reading from the New American Standard Bible. Uh, because it renders some of the words a different way than the ESV, uh, which I think will be better for a diverse audience, okay? Uh, so I'm not being a very good Presbyterian by not reading out of the ESV today. Uh, but you guys show me some grace, okay? All right. All right. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. Then I said to her, you shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot. Let me stop right here real quick. All right. So just by way of definition. We're going to think of harlot as an unfaithful woman, okay, unfaithful, an unfaithful woman. So that is going to, you know, help you with your conversations with your children when you leave, okay? So, so that word, don't let that scare you. Unfaithful woman, you're welcome, okay? All right. Nor shall you have a man, so I will also be towards you. For the sons of Israel remain, will remain for, uh, for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. Afterwards, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, let's pray before we get started today. Father in heaven, Thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy and your, your faithfulness. Your word speaks volumes of your steadfast love that you show to your people and that you, you show to the world by your common grace. So, God, we thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray that you deliver a word to your people today through me. 
uh, move Amos out of the way uh, and let them hear you by the power of your spirit. Because, God, I, I don't feel like it today. I just genuinely, I just don't. But, God, your spirit is still able. So we thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I've heard Hosea 3 preached from a lot of different angles before. I've heard it, you know, preached as an encouragement for husbands uh, to continue to be faithful to their wives, you know, despite turbulence or or despite disagreement in their marriage. Um, I've heard this text, you know, preached as uh, a a counseling method to, to deal with dysfunctional families. I've even heard it preached, you know, in a in a marriage counseling, you know, type of, you know, you know, sermon or or whatever. Uh, Now, although you can draw those types of conclusions from this text, I don't want to use this text in that way today. Rather, I I want like I said, I want to paint a picture, which I believe is the thrust of this text. I want to paint a picture of God's faithfulness with this text here. Uh, I believe that that Hosea's prophecy is a picture of God's redemptive work and God's faithfulness to an undeserving and unfaithful and an idolatrous people. And uh, just by, you know, kind of way of a little bit of context, since we're not since we don't have the opportunity to go to go through the entire book, I want to kind of build some framework for you. Uh, so the prophet Hosea, he was prophesying during uh, he was prophesying during uh, the eighth century uh, in Israel during the reign of King Jeroboam. Uh, now, this period was was defined as a period of of economic prosperity and of military conquest. So uh, actually, the kingdom during this time had actually expanded and was almost the same size as it was during the reign of King David and King uh, King uh, Solomon. And uh, so this was a period, like I said, a period of, of economic prosperity. Uh, it was a period of military conquest, but it was also defined as a period of moral decay. It was defined as, as a period of, of idolatry and unfaithfulness of the people of Israel. Now, isn't it funny that during times of, of economic prosperity, during during times where we feel safe and secure uh, in our little hut or in our little clique or in our little group, those are the times in which uh, sometimes we are the least faithful to God, right? It's just so funny. Just, just keep that in mind as we go through. And so Israel was, was no exception to this attitude. And during the, the reign of King Jeroboam, they turned away from the worship of Yahweh, the worship of, of our God, the one and true God, and they turned to the worship of the false god Baal. Uh, Baal was the Canaanite god of fertility, and the people of Israel were attempting to, to mix and mesh the worship of Yahweh and the worship of Baal into one religion. And in order to appease the false god Baal, uh, the people of Israel and the, the people of Canaan would would perform human sacrifices. They would, they would sacrifice babies. They would sacrifice other people. They would sacrifice slaves. And they would also participate in public acts of immorality, public acts of debauchery. And what I mean by that is things that should only be done by a man and wife 
in the context of marriage, in the privacy of their own home. Those were the type of things that, that they were doing in worship to the false god Baal. And all of those human sacrifices, all of those immoral acts were done to appease a false god that could not hear and a false god that could not see. So, to say the least, this, this kind of ticked God off, right? It's kind of, kind of got under God's skin. And into all of this, God sends the prophet Hosea to prophesy of God's imminent judgment. And in Hosea 3, which is again the text that we're going to use today, God uses Hosea's personal life to paint a picture to us, to the people of God, of his faithfulness, despite Israel's immorality, despite Israel's debauchery. So let's go through this text verse by verse, a little, little different speed from what we did last week. Uh, so we'll get back to the, to, the, to the true and traditional biblical exposition this week. <laughs> All right, so Hosea writes, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband. Yet an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So here in this in this text, Hosea is told by God, by God, keep that in mind, to love an unfaithful woman. You see, Hosea's marriage, Hosea's relationship to uh, who I believe is Gomer. It doesn't say that in this particular chapter, but it says it in chapter one. We don't have time to go back through that, but I believe that this is Gomer that we learn about in chapter one. And Hosea's marriage is used as an example of God's relationship to the nation of Israel. Now, what I want you to do for me is to put yourself into Hosea's shoes for a second. Like, put yourself into the mind of Hosea for a second. Now, just imagine someone coming to you and giving you this same type of, uh, the same type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, marriage. You know, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to call it. Like, just imagine someone, you know, walking up to you and saying this. Hey, I got this girl or, or guy that I think you should meet. And, you know, with your interest peaked, you probably say, you know, hey, well, tell me something about her. And so, you know, your friend or whomever it may be would say, well, you know, she's 5'5 five five with brown eyes. She's got a smile like the sunshine. And so even more with, with your interest peaked, you'd say, wow, well, t- t- tell, me, tell me more about her. Tell me what she does. And that's where the conversation would take a turn for the weird, where the conversation would get awkward. It'd be like, well, that's the thing. She may have to work a lot of nights. The adults know what I'm I'm talking about. But this is the same sort of thing that God had commanded Hosea to do. So, Hosea, we find out in, in, in chapter one, Hosea marries Gomer. And, and we find out in chapter one that, that they, they're married and that they start a family and that they have three children. 
And the, and the crazy thing about that is that two of the children that we learn about in chapter one may not have even been Hosea's legitimate children. We get that from the meaning of their names. Uh, their names are complicated that I can't produce, uh, pronounce. Uh, it's a he- Hebrew, so I'm just going to tell you the meanings. Uh, so their names mean no mercy and not my people. No mercy and not my people. And these names, they come to bear on the text as an example of, of God redeeming a people that were not his people because Israel had turned to the false God, Baal. The people of Israel had become an unfaithful people. They worshipped Baal and they worshipped created things rather than the creator God. Israel turned from the God that provided all of their needs. They turned from the God that brought them out of Egypt and they turned from the God who gave them his covenant and showed them their covenant love. Who does this sound like, church? I mean, who does that sound like? I mean, it, it does it not sound like you and me? Does it not sound like you and I? Is this not the way that, that we look for fulfillment in other things instead of looking for our fulfillment in Christ, who is the only one that can satisfy our needs? Who is the only one that can satisfy our desires? So Hosea goes on to write, he says, so I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. So, again, I I do believe that this is Gomer. There are a lot of different views about who this woman is in uh, chapter three. But again, I believe this is Gomer from chapter one. And whatever you think about uh, what's going on here. This 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 repurchasing of uh, Gomer is not a whole lot of money. Fifteen shekels in ancient times. That wasn't a whole lot of money. The going rate for a slave in ancient times was 30 shekels of silver. So he had paid even less than what you would pay for a slave to redeem Gomer back. But if you affirm the view that this woman in chapter three refers to Gomer from chapter one, you also affirm that something crazy is going on here. Something that is kind of doesn't make sense at all. What Hosea is doing is he's purchasing something that already belongs to him. He's purchasing something that's already his. He's giving his hard earned money, which which would have probably been hard to come by as a prophet. He's giving his hard earned money to someone for something that that is already his. Just put yourself in, 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 in Hosea's shoes for a second. Like, what if I came to you and said, you know, you just paid off your house. You just paid off your car. But I'm going to need you to buy it again. I need you to buy the shoes or the shirt or the pants or the glasses that you have on. I need you to pay for those again. You look at me like I was crazy. And I mean, it wouldn't make sense. And that's the same thing that's going on here. Don't don't miss that. So who else do we know that that paid a price for something that was already his? 
something that, that already belonged to him. You see, Hosea had to purchase Gomer's debt. There was no other way to redeem her. A price had to be paid. I mean, who does that sound like? Who does that sound like, church? And so Hosea goes on in verses 3 and 4. He says, Then I said to her, You shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot again, unfaithful woman. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man, so I also so will so I will also be toward you. He goes on to say, For the sons of Israel will remain for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household gods. So we see here that, that Hosea is is giving instruction to his wife Gomer. Hosea commands Gomer to to separate from her former life as a worshiper of Baal and to dwell with him for many days. He he tells her to come out of her life of unfaithfulness, but he also, get this, he also tells her that he will dwell with her as well. He says, I will be with you also. You see, Gomer had to be stripped of, of everything that had been consuming had been consuming her worship, had been consuming her attention. She had to be stripped of everything that was a distraction for her. So God was saying to Israel through the prophet Hosea, because you have turned away from me and because you have turned and worshipped Baal, my judgment is coming, but it's coming in order to bring you back to me. God was, in, God was in, in a sense saying, in order to redeem you back to me, I'm going to strip the nation bare, just as, just as Gomer had to be stripped bare. I'm going to strip the nation bare of everything that, that has caused it to, to stray away from me in the first place. God was saying to, to Israel that since you want to worship Baal, I'm going to show you just how weak Baal is. I'm going to show you just how weak your false God is because your false God cannot protect you from my judgment. But despite this imminent judgment that was about to take place in Israel, God uses Hosea's marriage to Gomer to paint the picture of his faithfulness. It shows us an amazing truth. That not only do we belong to God, but God belongs to us. He is their God, and we are his people. God belongs to us. Even though God judged Israel, he made it clear that he would never forsake Israel. His purpose in judging them all along was to show them their sinfulness and to help them recognize and acknowledge their rebellion and their need for him. Instead of destroying them completely, which he could have done justifiably, God was preserving them for something that was coming. Hosea writes in verse 5, Afterward, 
the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. You see, this is Hosea's prophecy of God's future redemption of Israel and Israel's repentance and their turning back to God. And this was God's end game all along. It is as if his judgment, it is as if through his judgment that Israel would realize that God was the one that protected and provided for their needs all along. Israel would eventually realize that after everything had been stripped away, that God was there all along being faithful. Verse 5 is important because it shows us that Israel would also return to David, their king. Uh, Because at this point, uh, Israel had been in all-out rebellion against the house of David for years and years. This reference to David in verse 5 also points to a redemption that is not only a redemption that is uh, on the surface, but it points to a true repentance and an intentionality to return to keeping God's covenant. It also shows God's intent to keep his covenant promises to Israel. And this reference to David also points us ultimately to the Messiah, the king that ultimately renews and unifies not only ethnic Israel, but all of the people of God. And Israel's ultimate response that we see in verse 5 should also be our response today. Repentance and turning back to God. So I say to everyone sitting in here today, whether believer or non-believer, repent and believe the gospel. Because if you're already a Christian, and, and look, look right at me, listen right at me, you know, like point your ears. If you're a Christian and you already believe the gospel, we should repent not only for the areas that we think we're weak in, but we should repent for the areas that we think we're strong in, the areas that we think we're killing it in, because behind that area, behind that space in your life, may actually be an idol. May actually be an idol there. So I've got a poem that I want to read to you guys that many of you probably have heard. It speaks to the faithfulness of God. This is what it says. One night I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes of my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life, after the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, 
you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times in my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, why would you leave me? And the Lord whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never, ever. During your trials and during your testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And Hosea's prophecy is a great picture of what our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, has done for us. Only Christ is capable of being faithful to a rebellious people as you and I. Like Hosea, it is Jesus that took the initiative to love and pursue a rebellious people. Like Hosea, Jesus is the one that purchases our sin debt and he reconciles us back to God. It was Jesus' death at Calvary that bought our redemption. It is Jesus' precious Holy Spirit that prepares our hearts to hear and accept the gospel. It is Christ's perfect life that makes us righteous. It is Christ's Holy Spirit that preserves and purifies us. It is the Holy Spirit and it is Christ's resurrection that seals the promise of a future reign with Christ. And that promise is that one day Christ will return to establish his perfect and eternal kingdom. And he will reign forever and ever as our one and only true king. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are steadfast. We thank you that you are faithful. And Lord, show your faithfulness to us as we go out as your disciples. Whether it be on our jobs, whether it be in a supermarket, Lord, let us continue 